Hello and welcome to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast. I'm Seb Lozier and this week at the halfway stage of the Miami Open presented by Ito, the second ATP Masters 1000 of the year, we are coming to you from the middle of the fan zone here at the Hard Rock Stadium. Thousands of fans enjoying Middle Sunday and this week we are simply serving up some of the best interviews we've had here this week, including a wonderful chat with Janko Tipsarovic, the former world number eight, now battling back after six years of injury woes. He also weighs in, by the way, on the greatest of all time debate. And as a Serb, you can probably guess which way that goes. We also hear from Stefanos Tsitsipas, who spoke with Jill Krabus in Indian Wells and many more. But we start this week with the man juggling the most balls here in Miami, Former world number four, now the tournament director here, James Blake. James, first of all, thanks for talking with ATP Tennis Radio. Um, the end of this first week at the new home, how's it all going? Uh, it's going great so far. Um, there's little hiccups, as to be expected, with a new venue. Um, so first time here, we're experiencing a couple little things, but my job makes sure there's no major hiccups. And so far, um, so good. The players have really been positive about the the courts about uh the venue about um really everything uh, you know with the minor things uh popping up that we're working on and most of them are, are relatively easy fixes some that we'll have to address for next year but this place uh, the the amazing thing is it's the ability for it to get better and better so we're uh we're thrilled about the all the all the possibilities for the future here before we get on to the positives, of which there are, I'm sure, many, what are those little wrinkles? Just, just to, if you can share some of them. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing was the, the really important one that uh, I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't know, but apparently the coffee was not great to start. So we, we brought in some new machines, and now everyone could not be more happy with me uh, about the, the coffee and the player lounge. So that's, uh, that's one of the little things that, you know, we're, we're just figuring out that that's, uh, that's important. Otherwise, um, we may need to adjust uh, how many how many seats are on the court. Some of the outer courts. Um, some people have been, and that's a, a credit to the the level of, of play and the level of talent and depth of, of some of the great players that are out on court six, seven, eight, and uh, and more fans wanting to go watch them. So that's a good problem to have. That more people want to come in and see. Um, we had an issue with with some glare on, on a couple of the courts. It, it's tough to test until it's this time of year when the sun's wet, where it's hitting and and what it's shining off of some of the mirrors. Uh, or off some of the windows but um, you know like I said little things and you know maybe we'll reconfigure the gym a little bit just to make it a little more friendly for the for the players and a little more space but you know those those kind of things are are, are um you know, to be expected, little things that, that we can fix. Some of them fix we can fix extremely quickly. Um, some of them will have to wait till next year, but they'll uh, they'll all be able to be fixed. And what was the overriding emotion I guess when it all came together i mean because you've been commuting pretty much from san diego haven't you to, to 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 do this and you know a year in the making really is is what it is isn't it what how, how was that when when you saw it all come together yeah well well luckily today's uh today's day and age you can you can sort of telecommute so i can see uh see over uh, email or, or text or skype or whatever we we need to do but um but getting here i mean i think there were a lot of people who were skeptical last year when they heard of the sort of the grandiose plans of putting in a 14,000 seat arena inside a 60,000 uh, seat arena um and then and also putting all these courts 29 other courts in a parking lot um it just doesn't sound like it's going to be extremely successful or glamorous and um so i i understood the player skepticism but in partnering with steven ross and img making this kind of commitment to it we knew i knew it was going to be successful I, I will say that there were there were times fleeting moments of is this really going to come together but it um the way it did i mean couldn't be more happy about it and, and couldn't um couldn't be more proud of the the work done with the team of img and steven ross and and making um, what was a parking lot into an unbelievable entertainment, and uh, in my opinion, a masterpiece with the art out there, with um, you know, with all the restaurants and food trucks and everything that's out there. It's just, it's really an incredible place for fans, uh, for diehard fans. Of course, they're going to get the best tennis, but really, for casual fans, can go out there and enjoy it and have a great meal, have some drinks, and have a, have a good time. And it's your second year in the job. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you've changed sites, so a lot of the benefit of year one maybe would have been lost. How much 
older and wiser do you feel this year? Well, I feel more prepared for a lot of the situations, but you're right. It's, it's almost like a little bit two different jobs. Uh, last year at Crandon Park, there were um, a lot of things that it, when there were issues coming up, we said, well, that's not an issue anymore because we're not going to have this site, so we don't need to worry about that. And now it, it's moving here. And now the, you know, the, world, the future is really right in front of us. We've got all these things that we can do. And um, it's exciting because we can continue to make improvements. So it is a little bit of a different job, but it's also probably even more exciting. And um, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm busier this year, uh, which I didn't think was possible after last year. But I feel like I'm busier, and I think there's just a, a positivity and an optimism about it um, being here. And I think last year there were a lot of people that were not sure of how it was going to go and where where the event was going. So now that we know that we're here and we've got um, you know we've already got a great fan base. We're breaking records with the ticket sales, so we've already got a great fan base. And all we can do is continue to improve that because we've got so many more uh, ideas to to build on. And with the fortnight the way it goes, I guess it took a while for the stadium court, the new stadium within the stadium, to be at full capacity. But yeah. finally when, I guess, Novak and then definitely when Roger played, yeah. wow, you, you really got to see, didn't you, what, what the potential is. Yeah, and that was something that we we had thought about but we didn't you never know what it's going to be until it gets there because you never know exactly you can't you can't really game plan for atmosphere for what it's going to feel like or for what uh, exactly the acoustics in here so um when roger came out and it was totally full and you hear the you hear the crowd it's it's pretty special and i think there was always going to be the nostalgia of missing crandon park because of all the, the memories but once we have a few more excellent matches i mean yesterday the the entire day um was incredible every match on center court was three sets um some just tremendous tennis Ferrer and Zverev have an absolute battle um continuing to see the rise of uh, Andre Eskew uh beating a, a top veteran player like uh Angie Kerber who still had the ability to get to number one in the world this week so we, we had some such, we had great tennis and I think as more and more as we have some of those kind of uh, days and some of those kind of matches, the, the memories from this uh, event are going to start to form and we're going to have some, some pretty special moments here at the Hard Rock Stadium. Yeah, for, for the fans, of course, uh, as well. Um... You mentioned the fans. What are the numbers looking like? You say ticket sales have been very good. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't have them every single day, but I know from the first six sessions, we broke a record five out of the six. Um, so we're, I think we're up over 20,000 a day. Uh, Avenue? 32,000. 32,000, yeah. I'm, I'm underselling it. Uh, 32,000 a, a day. So it's it's incredible. And the, the great thing is we can we can fit so many here because we can fit them out on the on the grandstand out in the the plaza the the grove we've got so many different uh places for them to to be the stadium still fits the same number but uh the grounds really can expand Uh, i I was intrigued to ask about that what the marketing what the sales pitch was moving to here to the fans given that you've got this colossus in the miami dolphins Mm -hmm. in the mix as well was there a lot of rub off and uh, from from the dolphins and partnering with such a big entity in in that yeah we were definitely trying to bring in new fans with the fact that the Dolphins season ticket holders try to get them to hey come out and see this event too and you're gonna appreciate athleticism at a, at a different uh in a different way no one's getting uh tackled by someone running a 4-3 but the, these guys can also put a put a topspin lob on a dime and and while they're on the dead run so um it's a different kind of sport obviously but hopefully we get some of the crossover fans from that um, but really the big pitch for us is we made a commitment to keep this in Miami and this is our best option to keep it in Miami and it took uh, a pretty amazing vision from Stephen Ross and it took an unbelievable commitment from IMG uh, to say we want to keep this in Miami instead of having it go overseas um, so we're really proud of that and we're um, we want the community to realize that we still have it here and this is going to get better and better and it's going to be um, if it isn't already it's going to be one of the, the biggest and best events in tennis. Looking forward to week two? Yes, absolutely looking forward to week two. It slows down a little bit for me sometimes when um, I hate to see some of my friends that are players go, but it makes my job a little easier when the, the field gets a little bit smaller. James, thank you. My pleasure, thanks. I am sitting next to the former world number eight, currently a, a bit lower than that, but battling back again. Um, Janko Tipsarevich. Uh, first of all, Janko, how are you? Uh, and uh, how are things here in Miami? Uh, thank you for having me. I feel great. It's been a while since I actually played the match, even let alone one on the ATP tour. Last five years were very challenging for me. 
going through seven different surgeries, all of them on my legs. But just being able to be back uh, on my favorite tournament, playing in front of my friends and family just feels really, really good. Yeah, there's an incredible video that you've put on your Instagram account. 570 days since your last win on the ATP Tour, the commentator said. And, and afterwards you were talking about what it meant, to, not just to you, but to your family, your, your, your little daughter as well. Yeah, uh, I'm extremely happy that we had this moment because since she's basically alive, uh, there is always had some leg issues surgery crutches barely walking so she knew that daddy was a tennis player but she never actually saw me play because in the two times when i was coming back she was way too young like one or two years old and i'm extremely happy that she was able to sit all like throughout the duration of the full match and just to have this to have this great moment with her and my wife sitting next to her to say it's a tough six years is an understatement. You mentioned it, the seven surgeries. Can you just give us, though, for the benefit of the listeners who don't know the whole story, just the, the potted, I guess, the short version of all of the injuries that you've had to live through? I'll try and be brief. Since I am on the ATP Tour until the age of 28, 29, I was basically injury-free. Uh, at that age, unfortunately, it happened when I was at my peak, ranked number eight or nine in the world. I got a benign tumor on my left foot. I had to do a double surgery over the span of a year, year and a half, because the tumor was removed and it came back, then I had to remove it again. After I came back from zero to 70, an issue with my right knee started to occur due to the level of compensation, putting more weight on the right foot, trying to protect the surgery the foot that I had surgery on. So I had to do a double surgery on my right knee. And after I came back again from zero to 51 or 52, uh, both of my hamstrings kind of failed. I had to do a triple hamstring reattachment on two on my right and two and one on my left foot. Uh, and now here we are. Uh, this was a very difficult time. I tend to think that there are worse things in life, but uh, it's been extremely challenging for both me and my family. I'm sure it has. Um, and you dropped out the rankings at one stage, is that right? Did, were there fears, genuine fears, that your tennis career was over? The only real... There, there were two fears. The first part was after the second surgery of the tumor on the left foot, where the doctor said if the tumor comes back for the third time, we would have to remove 100% of your left sole of your of your foot and then it's basically impossible to do not tennis but any other activity the second time was after the second reattachment of the hamstring muscle or, or the hamstring tendon rather if this reoccurred for the third time there would be no chance for me to continue playing tennis but luckily through persistence and the motto that we have in both my life and our academy which is keep digging or trying to still grind it happened that I am back on the tour indeed and with a protected ranking at the moment I, I guess um, is there a there's a lifespan to that protected ranking is is that basically as far as you're looking at the moment it depends how the year goes the general goal is I mean I'm 35 years old and that's not I mean if you see all these other guys uh, Roger being the primary example playing un in until the later stages it depends how this year goes if I'm able to finish the year within the top 100 and potentially in the beginning of the next year attack top 50 I will still compete and play tennis if not uh, I don't see myself and not trying to sound pretentious or anything I don't see myself really playing challengers at the age of 35 uh, or 36 I have a lot going on with the academy we have in Belgrade so I and, and the managing agency that we have so I don't I see myself doing other things really really connected to to tennis and it, it sounds a bit like a cliche question but what so what does it mean to you to be back out there at a tournament like this it means a lot because you see the work paying off at one point the real payoff would be if my body stays healthy and I'm able to come back obviously not to top 10 but the beginning goal would be top 100 
then is when you really see that the work and the persistence and all the treatments and surgeries and injections and painkillers and everything that we went through as a family actually paid off but for the very beginning i'll take a victory on a thousand events why not but uh, i feel really if my body holds up and i'm able to play pain free i don't think it's utterly impossible that i come back to to top 100 you mentioned your academy i wanted to ask you about that anyway because tennis it seems certainly in the top 100 in the world is in root health in serbia you know but what is the goal of your academy uh 5 years ago i made a decision what do i want to do post my professional career and i'm extremely happy that i made a decision to stay and to stay very very invested in tennis I love coaching. I love tennis as a sport and I know it's a cliche to say I do it for the love of the sport, but this is something that I see myself continuously doing for the extended period of let's say 30 years. And then I feel this is really important for any kind of business that you do decide to do because this is something that I see myself doing until I basically retire as a coach at the age of 65 or whatever. The goal of the academy is not only to teach players to play forehand and backhand. I feel that not only in Serbia, general, worldwide, there is a lack of edu- education or educating the tennis and young tennis players how to live a tennis life and what does the significance of keep digging actually mean. I feel that um this is lacking in the age of YouTube highlights and Instagram and Facebook Turkish filtered pictures so I feel that the significance of teaching young players and I'm not talking about the ATP or WTA tour I'm te- I'm talking about teaching young 14 15 17 year old male and female players how should they behave and what they should do in order to play successful tennis I was in Rio recently when Laszlo Jerry, your countryman, won his first ATP title and he's a prime example in a way. He's certainly digging deep, isn't he, after the the tragic losses that he's that he's had. Um but again, when a guy like that wins a title, I think the first other than Novak by a serve for a few years since Victor last won. Um that's a good thing for the country. He definitely is. Laszlo trains in our academy frequently. He's one of the members of our managing agency and everybody especially after the tragedy that he went through we are extremely proud of him he's a primary example what does it mean to dig deep he came as an underdog to the tournament and i just hope that he uses this as a lecture to see that there is a chance that potentially one day he's top 20 top 15 maybe even top 10 who knows but uh, the keep digging factor is not only how hard do you dig it's the persistence factor which trumps everything else you know in 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 fairy tales when pirates are looking for gold there's normally the book is not 10 pages long it's normally 2 to 300 pages and in these 300 pages there's normally a a sea monster or a storm or you know enemies attacking them and then they dig at one place and they dig at the other place but the the key factor in the keep digging hashtag is the persistence how long are you willing to dig laszlo jerry is one of the primary examples as is novak um at another level let's he's face the, it is the main example i mean um you have you have uh people like novak djokovic that they don't need to be thought to think correctly there's a very famous interview of novak being 7 years old saying i want to be number 1 and he doesn't just say it you see the i like to call it blood in his eyes that he's really willing to do whatever it takes to be number 1 i believe i i tend, i gener- generally tend not to believe in the world talent because it's a cliche alibi which coaches are generally using to say this guy is not successful because the other guy or girl is more talented than him and nobody can say that Novak or Roger or Rafa are not talented that's utterly stupid 
but the amount of sacrifice and I'm watching this from a first row seat because he's one of my closest friends the amount of sacrifice that this guy is putting into his tennis life is incredible so what he's doing he deserves to be hopefully at one point the best player of all time well I was going to ask do you, what's the likelihood do you think of him breaking those Grand Slam records do you, do you think it'll happen I think if he stays healthy, I don't want to say it's easily achievable, and I am very biased in saying this. It's not easy for me to be completely realistic because I want this to happen. But I honestly feel that I can tell you something with utmost certainty. If you take all the top players, and I'm not obviously talking about Rafa on clay, if they are at their peak, playing their best tennis ever, Novak Djokovic is the best player of all time. But you have certain thresholds, records, which obviously need to be broken. I believe if his body holds up, because he's also 32, 33 years old, uh, it's, it is possible. It obviously depends how Roger and Rafa play, how healthy are they. But, uh, I mean, I think both Rafa and Novak showed... At this year's Australian Open, when everybody was thinking, ah, yes, the next generation is coming, and I was like, wait, 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 where? Where are they coming? Wait. <laughs> you need to wait a little bit longer for something significantly to happen. So I really think that he has a chance. We just have to see and see if that happens. Back to you, though, just finally. Um, no matter what happens here in Miami, what, what's next for you? Um... I have to be smart with the protected ranking. As you said uh, brilliantly in the beginning of this interview, there is an expiration period on the protected ranking. So my goal is, because I don't feel completely ready, my body is still, you know, I need matches to feel completely comfortable on court. And even though yesterday's match was maybe easy in score, in score I was feeling tight because I didn't play tennis for a year and a half, basically. So my idea is to mix the main draws of ATPs with some challengers. To answer your question, I'm playing uh, three f- uh, challengers in Mexico on hardcourt, playing hopefully Houston, the, the ATP event. I'm going to try and not spend a lot of time on clay, playing Geneva and French Open. And then after that, playing a full grass court season with Queens and uh, hopefully Stuttgart, Wimbledon and all the grass court events. Well, we look forward to seeing you back out there on any court that we do. And uh, the best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me one more time. I am with Alexander Sasha Bublik, a 21-year-old, world number 131 currently, but that is possibly set to change after he's reached the main draw here in Miami for the first time. First of all, congratulations on that. How happy were you with that? Because Dan Evans, it's a good win, isn't it? Yeah, thank you very much. I'm very happy with with the fact I'm in the first Masters main draw for myself, but I'm more happy that the way I'm playing right now, and I, I sacrificed a lot last year, I got an injury, so I get back, and I work hard through the pain and stuff, so I got a rough season last year, so I'm happy to start the season well and playing solid tennis throughout the first part of the year, so I'm very happy with that. I want to ask you all about that, but first, importantly, you've just refueled here in this massive players' dining. Well, we've got pasta, salad, uh, carvery, noodles, sushi. What, what do you go for? What's your favorite thing to eat after a match? I go sushi and pasta. Why is that? Just, just your preference? You like it? Yeah, I love it. Now, 12 months ago, as you said, in Indian Wells, you broke your ankle. Um, and it's, it's been a long road back, hasn't it? How are you feeling now? I mean, that's what I said. I feel great. I mean, because, yes, it's been a long road. At the time I broke my ankle, I was like 110. I was 90 a few weeks before that, and then I dropped to 200. Couldn't find my way back. It was a lot of mental tough toughness, you know, to play, you know, to get back in a rhythm. It's been a long road, and I'm happy to be back. Hope, let's see how it rolls. You've been playing challenges. You, you've been succeeding in challenges. You won a couple last month. How is that? dropping down into challenges as you say more mentally than than physically i mean of course it's very tough i mean it's very tough and you know I, I was i was up there i was 90 i was playing atps i was winning matches beating good guys playing majors of a big tournament 
especially when at Wimbledon I played Andy on the first round. So it was a it was a dream at that time. And then all of a sudden, you know, the life the life goes. You know, it changed so much. And then all of a sudden, I broke my ankle, started losing matches. You know, get back and I dig a hole of myself. You know, and start putting myself there. But you know, throughout the work, family, friends, everyone helped me out to get reach to get to get here back. So I'm very happy. What's most important in coming back? Is it the physical side of things, or is it mentally, emotionally, being able to trust your body? Uh, I mean, mentally, it's not about trusting your. In for my, I'm not speaking for everyone, but for my opinion, it's not about trusting your body or ment or physically or practicing. It's just you. You have to. You have to realize there is plenty of things in life. You know, you can next day you can break your ankle and you'll stop playing forever. And this is that's what's what's really scary. And then when you really when you're thinking some players, you know, you're watching basketball or or NFL, whatever, and someone breaking rank, you'll be like, okay, he's gonna be back. But you never realize what this person got through to get back here. So for me, it's just it's, it's, it's all on, like you know, on personal. I can't say what's what's the most important for me. It was not digging a hole for myself because you know I feel like okay, if I'm now to, I was 250, I was 270 actually, and then uh, I feel like okay, come on, I can't go over. Like come on, I need to play. And then all of a sudden, I want a challenger. Two months later, I won another two, and then I started playing. So somehow, it just it goes like this. When I was 90, broken ankle. Next next week, I wake up. I'm 270. Then after that, after 270, it's only past three months, and I'm like 120 right now. Same like boom. I don't know. It's all on personal. And the ranking obviously is important. Is it? Is the temptation to look at the ranking too much when you're coming back? Um, I mean, for me, it's on. It's when you're going up for the first time, you're looking so much at the ranking. But when I was there, when I was like 200, I was looking at the ranking. I was looking at myself to, to, to start playing well, you know, and then ranking coming. So that's, that's what I can see, the ranking coming. I'm playing well, I'm playing solid, so the rank will come. And then coming back to this level from the challenges, which you've, you've done just recently, does it feel like a massive step up? I don't want to speak like this because I'm not sure what's going to happen the next days, you know. After the fact, I broke my ankle out of nowhere. I was out out of nowhere. You know, usually what's what's broken ankles like three weeks. But then I I, I have to play seven months of worst tennis in my life for no reason. So I don't know. I mean, yes, for me, it's I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to play matches. I'm happy to be healthy and playing well, to be mentally stable, to be game stable, and then that's what I want. That's that, yeah, that's it. And you share your time between Russia, I think, and and Monte Carlo. Um, where have you done most of the work? I mean, no, at the moment I'm not in Monte Carlo based for the last one, two years. So I was, I was, I was based from 14 till 17 there. Now mostly I'm moving here. I'm staying at Delray Beach. I'm doing preseason there, coming here anytime I want. But, you know, the season, the tennis season is different, you know. Summertime I'm in Munich, where my manager's at. Like spring or autumn I'm, I'm in Russia, you know, so it's all about like, but I love here. I love to be in Delray Beach. I'm doing lot of job there a lot of work so yeah i can't say i'm based somewhere at the moment and your your coach is listed as your your father stanislav um how is that because there are there are so many young players on tour you know with parents as coaches whether it's dennis or steph or kasper rude is it is it you know difficult at times having your dad there or is it just is it great that he's the person that knows you the best i mean i haven't I, was, I, I didn't have a different coach. I always had my father. So I don't know what is to be when the when you when someone's you don't really care. You know, when you got a coach, you don't really care about him. You don't really care about his story. So I don't know how it feels to get another coach. So for me, I mean, sometimes it's tough. Everyone is tough. Sometimes you know, I'm tough. I mean, my father is tough. You know, we have fights every time. But okay, <laughs> unless we keep doing work and we keep doing the right thing, that's what is most important. I was going to ask you if he's critical, but I guess you've got you've got no one to compare him to. So I guess you'd say yes, he is. Yeah, that's that, 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 yeah, definitely. I want to ask you another few things, which I read on the on the ATP website. If you weren't a tennis player, you'd be a basketball player. Is that true? Yeah, definitely. My uncle, I don't know, my godfather is a basketball basketball coach of a women's Russian team. And my uh, my god my uh, my grandfather was a basketball player. So yeah, I'm lo I'm loving the sport. I'm following a lot of players here. When I'm, I always I always wanted to go to a match, on the NBA match, but I never had a chance. Oh really? Never you've got to do that. No, I'm like I'm staying here for like maybe three three months in a year, and I had never had a chance to get there and watch and watch uh, basketball. Like never. 
So when you're not playing tennis now, how do you relax? Do you, do you still play basketball or how, how, do you, how do you do that? Um, it's all about like what I wanted to do. Sometimes I can lie in the bed for like a week. <laughs> like Russia, I'm like staying at home for a week. Sometimes I'm, well, I'm enjoying playing ping pong, doing cycling. You know, I'm like sometimes, you know, I'm up for some things with basketball, of course. But, you know, the problem when I'm in Russia, there's no basketball course right there. It's very tough. Here, of course, we play a lot, like, you know, when we have time. But mostly, you know, I prefer to lie on the bed, watch some movies. You know, I don't know, go to casino, whatever. You're not a crazy gamer like Daniel. Uh, Daniel, he, he's a crazy one, huh? Yeah, he's always, he's been always like this. I remember staying with him in the rooms. He's mamma mia, he's the worst. But he's a nice guy, by the way, huh? I was also watching a, a video on your profile on the atptour.com website. The challenger in Germany, where the umpire catches the ball. Is that not the most incredible thing? And you asked the umpire if he actually caught the ball. Do you remember that? Yeah. I mean, I, it was so fast. Like, the, the court is very fast. And the guy hits full power frame into his head. And he was like, okay, thank you very much. Good. All good. It was. If, if you haven't seen that and you're listening to this interview, go on Sasha Public's ATP Tour page and watch that because it is incredible. Getting back to the tennis, though, your, your targets for the year, what are they? Are, are they to stay healthy, first and foremost? To be mental health, to have a mental healthness, you know. So unless I'm, unless I'm enjoying playing and enjoy the sport and enjoy the time I spend with fans, with interviews, with everything, practicing everything, then everything will come. And then when you don't enjoy it, when you're, like, pushing yourself, I don't like to push myself. I never push myself, like, zero. When I start pushing myself, I'm breaking my ankles next day injured myself every time so when I, when I when I feel I don't I don't feel to play I don't play you know I'd rather don't play because otherwise I, I'm having so many situations even when I was a junior I twisting my ankle twisting my toes you know whatever like fingers broken fingers when I'm pushing myself so for me it's to stay healthy and to be mental healthness so I can enjoy everything that I everything you know playing basketball I need to go there and enjoy otherwise I'm gonna get injured I'm not, maybe it's everyone like this, I'm not sure, but you know, for me, this is like, yeah, it's like this. When I push myself, so bad things happening. Well, it's, it's interesting, because I was just about to ask you what the improvements are that you want to make to your game, but it sounds like you're, you're limited in what you can do in yeah. terms of how much you can train. What, what can you improve the most? I mean, the, the, I mean, everything, everything. You can improve everything any time, you know, so I'm working hard, I'm, I'm practicing every day, you know. So unless I'm enjoying it, it's good. So when, when my head is there and I'm, I'm thinking right and I'm doing the right stuff, everything will come. But when, you know, sometimes you have a bad day, of course you, you got to go to practice, but you have to put yourself in the right position to enjoy even when it's tough time. You know, I'm, I'm tired sometimes, you know, I don't want to play. But, you know, I'm going there and uh, not pushing myself, but to speaking to myself and realizing why am I doing this and why should I go now and not skipping the practice and going three hours later. So that's the most important for me to be clear hat and realize what and why I'm doing in, in this sport. Are you going to do any more for ATP Uncovered? I remember you interviewing the, the players last year. You enjoy that? Your interview technique was pretty good. I mean, yeah, it was fine. I mean, it, was, it was fun. I mean, of course, if they, if they call me one day, I'll come. I mean, if I have time, of course, you know. So, yeah, it's part of my job, so it's good. Yeah. I am with Chalma Muna, 21-year-old, world number 61. First time through to the second round of a, a Masters tournament, I think that is, Chalma. So congratulations. How happy are you with that? Uh, thank you very much. First, uh, it means a lot. Uh, it means a lot of, because of the work we have done during the years. Uh, I mean, the, the, long, the long way we are working on since I was really a really young kid. Uh, it's just steps. I mean, I'm pretty happy with the with the performance today, but I'm pretty happy with the life I am living right now. So this is the, the, the important thing for me. I'm enjoying every minute in in court, of court, and every travel I'm doing. So I'm really, really happy and excited for the next. I know you play a lot of your tennis on a clay court, but you look pretty comfortable on a hard court too. How do these hard courts play here in Miami? Uh, these courts are a bit slower than others. Uh, I'm feeling comfortable. Uh, I also used to, to have precision in, in hard courts there in Spain. Uh, I, I started to play tennis on hard courts also, so I'm feeling comfortable with this kind of court. Uh, but I think, to, to be honest, in, in the moment we are right now, uh, if you want to be a good player, you have to, to have the, the game and you, you, who, you need to play good in, in every surface. And what do you make of the new, the new event, the Hard Rock Stadium, and how big this is now? It's huge, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's huge. Uh, I mean, I've never been there in Biscayne. Uh, everybody was telling me that the, the place was also very, very nice. But since the moment I got here, I'm really, I'm really comfortable here. I like the big tournaments because you have your, your space. You can be in a quiet zone for a while, which is difficult in our, in our life. You, you have a big moment of stress and it's important to have your, your time. And I think here we have it. Uh, and about the course, uh, facilities, everything is, is perfect. You say you're enjoying life. That is, of course, now back in Mallorca, where you're from. Um, you were in Barcelona for a long time. How was that to go back home? Uh, at the beginning, it was difficult. Uh, I was I was 13 when I when I came back uh, when I go to when I went to Barcelona for the first time. I've been living there for for seven years. I have many friends there. Uh, I have many coaches that that helped me a lot there also. So it's a special place for me. But of course, I am from Mallorca and. To have my my parents uh, on my back, to have uh, uh, coaches from from Mallorca, it's also special because of the feeling of the people. You know, when you are from the, the same hometown, it's it's a special feeling. Uh, and the, since the beginning, I think there in the Rafa Nadal Academy, everybody's helping me as much as they can, which is important for me, and I'm feeling comfortable. Uh, this, uh, at the moment, I, I can say that I'm just staying in the best place in the world for me right now. We've been talking with Casper as well this this week about the academy. What's it like? The academy for me, it's it's my life. I mean, I'm not living there, but I I used to work a lot a lot there, uh, many hours on court and off the court, gym uh, and everything. Uh, normally, one normal day there, I got there at 8, 8 a.m. and I'm leaving sometimes 8 p.m. So this is my second home. Uh, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, uh, I like to to work with the young kids also there. So it's a special feeling. Uh, you remember when you started to play tennis that you you were that that little kid watching another one, and and it's kind of special to have them behind us. And it motivates yourself to to keep going and to keep growing. Uh, the same way we are looking, Casper and me, Rafa, when he's around. You mentioned eight to eight and and your day. What would a typical day be? How would you structure the day? It depends about the moment, but uh, I'm I'm trying to to have relax during the day uh, when I am in Mallorca. I I like to do a lot of things out of tennis, so I'm just taking my time to relax and to do it. But I don't know. We usually do maybe two 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 trainings on court and then something off court about. Uh, physio and and then also a, a fitness a fitness class that's it pretty much about five six hours and to be there with Rafa I know he's a, a, a big you know idol hero of yours growing up must be a bit surreal almost yeah uh, I mean at the beginning I think he was my my maybe work partner or something like this uh, right now he's he's a friend for me uh, I mean we're sharing a lot of moments on court and of court uh, I know I know him a lot right now, and he's special. Uh, I think he he can teach me everything I'm gonna I'm gonna see during during the years on the tour. Uh, I think he's trying to do it because he wants he wants me to be the best player I can be. And and then I also have one of the best the best friends of the best friends of Rafa in in my team. So the the relation is getting closer, and I'm and I'm really happy with this. And he's been one example, of course. David Ferrer, another who is coming to the end of his tennis chapter, playing at least. Um, a word on David, because yeah, I know he's been a special player for you too. Uh, David is amazing for me. I'm in love with this guy. Uh, I always say that David is the, my idol. I think it's, it's a person who is, who is a 10 in life, and then it's, he's also this way in, in tennis court. So... I have I have very very much respect for him. Uh, I think and I hope that he will have a wonderful career outside of tennis and a wonderful life. Uh, something something or everything is going to change for him in the next months. But but I'm pretty sure that the person he is and he has been during the the whole of these years in the tennis tour he he will be for for all his life. A couple more questions. You mentioned that you like travel and and the life of being a tennis player. Of course, that involves a lot of travel to a lot of different places. So far, you've only been on tour a, a few years, obviously, but which is your favorite event 
to go to so far? Uh, I'm just, I just got to know new tournaments. Uh, I mean, it's my first year in the ATP Tour, the big tour, but I'm, I'm in love with Australia. Uh, I'm in love not just with the Australian Open, I'm in love with, uh, with the country and, and the people there. Uh, they, are, they are different. Uh, and I also went last week in Indian Wells, and I think it's the, it's the best one for me. I feel really relaxed. I feel at home the, the way they, they treat you. You have your car, you, you don't have traffic, you, you can do your stuff during the day. Uh, and I also love to play golf, so this is maybe the, the paradise for me. And just finally, aims for the year. Just uh, you know, if you, when you get to December this year, what, what ideally will you have achieved? Where, where do you want to be with your tennis? Uh, it's difficult in the in the situation I am right now to to say numbers, but I'm I'm feeling like I'm growing. I'm growing as a player. I'm really feeling that I can do it right now. Uh, I've been working so hard for this, and and this is the the important the important point now. Uh, you have to be. You have to be mind clear, and, and I think I am, and I, I know that I will have my chances during the year. Uh, I started with the, with the South American swing, and I did, I did well there. And just keep growing, maybe to, to say a number inside the top 40, but I don't want, and I don't like the numbers. Well, we won't say one then. Chalma, good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Pleasure. I'm here with a, a very happy, I'm sure, Andrei Rublev, um, who's just scored a, a massive win against Marin Cilic. Uh, and Andrei, tell me, after all you've been through over the last few months especially, um, what that means to you, that win here? Uh, definitely, it's an amazing win for me, especially uh, against that great player like Martin. I know him since a long time. I played him once a couple of years ago, so I knew it was going to be really tough for me. And I'm really happy that uh, I win, and uh, I'm sure it's, it's going to give me much more confidence. And I hope I will improve and I will play better and better. Yeah, it's it's great to see the body obviously back where where it needs to be. How, how much uh, do you feel now that you can trust your body and it being as aggressive as we know you want to be on the court? Uh, I think now. I mean, I completely forget about my injury. The last couple of months, I'm already playing full, full, full practice, full intense. So hopefully everything is uh, is recovered inside of my body and uh, healthy. Hopefully I'm 100%. Because you were leading the, the charge, of course, among the, the young Russians on tour. And then the, the injury hit. How frustrating was it um, to see... Karen and Daniel just, you know, plowing on, and and you couldn't quite get it done because of your body. Uh, to be honest, if you talk about the guys, then I'm I, I'm I'm happy for them if they are winning. It means that I have also enough level to win these matches, to win the tour, to win that tournament. So. I'm happy for them because my goal is not, uh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not, we're not enemies, we're friends, so my goal is not uh, if I do better or not, my goal is bigger, it's more, I think, uh, how you say, like a bigger, it's uh, to win big tournaments, you know, and about the injury, that time was really tough for me, I was completely depressed, I was down, I didn't, I remember I didn't watch any tennis matches because as soon as I watched something tennis news or something, I was feeling even more depressed that like all the guys is playing, is competing, is uh, there on tour, and I'm here uh, on a sofa doing nothing. So it was really tough moment, and I am happy that I it's already almost one year passed, and hopefully it's never going to happen again. And in terms of building the ranking back up, which, let's face it, will happen, um, you, you're kind of doing it the hard way, aren't you? you? You could be playing challengers or more challengers. I know you are, but you're also playing a lot of qualifying events. Um, why are you making that decision? Mm, first of all, I think, I mean, this is my opinion, I mean, about myself. I'm playing tennis to compete on a, on a top level. So if I have chances or choice to play maybe quality of the good tournament or to be main draw or seeded but tournament a little bit down I prefer to go quality because this is what I'm playing for I'm play, playing to be enough level to be able to compete on a good tournaments always so if I have chance I prefer to go there and to try to compete and raise my level against the great guys 
and in the end we'll see what's happened. If I lose, I go back to practice because anyway, uh, challenges is really tough to win because you always have really good players there. And in the end, sometimes I remember when I used to play challenges, I was playing first rounds, uh, Shardy or some guys like this that you also play here first round. So in the end. Is is not doesn't really matter which tournament to play. You go you go ACP, you play first round Jeremy, or you go challenger, and we play each again first round. So I prefer to play him on ACP, you know, and that's why it's also I make this kind of decisions. Yeah, case in point, recently I think you lost to uh, Kyle Edmund in no, the final of a final. challenger. Yeah, but that but that was final. That was a final, but but in playing that tournament and uh, and mixing between the two, I think you've won ten of your last thirteen matches. So that must give you a lot of confidence. Yeah, that's. I mean, I'm happy that I, I feel on practice completely well. I'm playing really well on practice, and now, match by match, I'm playing better and I'm feeling better, and I win some good matches here last week. So hopefully, I will uh, I will go I will improve little by little more and more. And turn what you did in doubles last year into the singles yeah. this year, eh? Uh, hopefully, I mean, I wish, but you never know. I will try to do my best. Okay, we're sitting in player dining, and I'm happy to be joined by Stefano Sitsipas. Stefano, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. A lot has happened in this past year. You're now top 10 in the world. Congratulations. Just talk to us a little bit about how that's changed for you since last year. Well, you know, having some, playing some good tennis, uh, uh, over the years um, and improving constantly, trying to get my level higher and higher. Um, I, you know, I, I was not surprised by my performance at the Shell Open. I played really well. I would say I played correct tennis, and that gave me the opportunity to actually believe and um, give me like confidence of uh, that I actually can make the top ten this year. Uh, this tournament gave me a huge, um, a huge understanding of uh, what I'm capable of and. Uh, entering the top 10 is an, it's an amazing achievement uh, and um, I mean many more to come than that. I, it doesn't stop there. I, I'm aiming for even more but it's great to start from that checkpoint and uh, uh, move on. I, I think a lot of us are hoping for that because you're so much fun to watch. What, what about outside the court? How is that? Has it changed anything differently in your day-to-day -day life outside the court? I would probably say a little bit more publicity. People know me a bit more now uh, the they stop in the restaurants wherever <laughs> we're in like public places uh, but not nothing more than that I think um, I'm inspiring many young kids and um, I love that I love inspiring people in general with my game with my um, performance with whatever I'm doing on the tennis court and outside of it but again, what was the question? I, I got lost. I got lost. <laughs> I just <laughs> that's funny. I'm I trying said, to make all of the no, stories. No, no, you're doing great. Thank you. Um, no, just being in the top ten now. Obviously, your life has changed on the court, yeah, more yeah, publicity. Yeah, sure. But in your day to day life, like interactions, going Not, home, like like when you go home, I'm sure there's just a lot of a people. A lot of people, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Just talk about that a little bit. Like, um, have, do you feel like you've lost a little bit of freedom, or you love it? You love being able to go home and have all these people just admiring you. Um, I mean, I really don't. Change. I really I don't change. know. I haven't been back home yet, so <laughs> I don't know what to expect from that. But uh, I, I mean, I expect people to be loud, <laughs> to be excited, um, to see me back home. I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't, haven't been, been yet. You might have to yet. report back to us on yeah. that. Yeah, I'll let you know um, next time. I did hear at the Australian Open though that there was a dish at a Greek restaurant named after you. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Is that that was that was new this year? Actually, that was uh, that was the first time they ever did it was with Bagdadis, Marcus Bagdadis, when he made the finals. But that was actually unofficial. They told me it wasn't in the menu. It was kind of like a request thing. If you wanted it, they would make it for you. But what was so special about this one, the Tsitsi Pasov like it was that it was it was in the menu and 50% of the profits uh, and revenue of the um, of that uh, dish was uh, going to go to my foundation uh, that I'm an ambassador of together for children which helps unprivileged children and um, uh, kids uh, that are poor and uh, have lost their parents and stuff to you know they help them uh, they support them so I'm uh, really happy to to have such a thing and so much love and support in Melbourne they, they helped me a lot and uh, having a dish named after me was a great thing as well Wait, what's the dish? Can we ask? It's a it's a it's a wrap like the, the okay. typical Greek wrap, filled with um, I don't know um, lamb, uh, pomegranate, basil. It's it's yummy. <laughs> 
And then also, I know you do a lot of video and photography outside yeah. the court. I love photography myself, but um, how has that, is that helped you sort of once you get on the court focus to be able to do other things off, off the court and yeah. inspire as well other people that way? For sure. It has uh, actually made me very creative and uh, um, it's, it's something that I enjoy doing a lot. It uh, gives me kind of like sort of like a freedom of, of thinking, freedom of, uh, in my mind. It's uh, it's very pleasing for me to, to have a hobby outside outside the tennis court and then I can get back on the tennis court more concentrated, more hungry to prove myself again. And then I can get out of the tennis court and do other things that I enjoy doing. So it, it's very nice and very, um, as I said, uh, important for me to have such hobbies so I can um, always uh, stay motivated. So can you explain a little bit how it gives you that freedom? So it gives me that freedom basically of crea creativity, of being creative, of shooting different landscapes, people, portraits, of uh, telling a story basically that uh, hasn't been told. So I do it through photography, through videography, my videos, my vlogs, my illustrations, whatever I'm doing, my Photoshop. And uh, I like to tell stories. I think uh, stories that are visible to people, stories that uh, have a lot of emotion behind them, uh, hidden emotions, um, some of them visible as well. Um, I think uh, the world is like an emotional, it's, it's filled with emotions and uh, it's nice for people to be able to see them and uh, to reflect on them. Is there a particular place that you like to photograph the most or video the most? Oh, yeah. Or a few. You can pick a few. Well, yeah, I can pick a few. Um, I really liked uh, Tokyo, uh, New York as well. It's filled with sounds, with noise, like so much energy in that city. Um, Melbourne as well. Uh, liked it. Um, I mean, I haven't been... I, I want to go to a few other places that uh, ATP hasn't done any tournaments yet. Like where? <laughs> South Africa, maybe. I would love to see a tournament there one day. Uh, or maybe what else? Uh, Iceland, but that would be that would be extreme. Sorry. <laughs> That's a cool, yeah. That's that be cool. Iceland. I think is a really cool place to go and take uh, some really nice pictures of how you call that thing. Um, like the lights. Oh, the light. The oh, the northern glaciers. lights. The northern, northern lights. Northern exactly, lights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to hearing about your story to come in the future, from now and into the future. So we look forward to hearing about that. But sure. just wanted to say thank you for taking the time again with us. We appreciate it here on ATP Tennis Radio. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Best of luck to you. Thank you. That is it for this week. Thanks to Stefano Sitsipas and all the rest of our guests. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to hear more interviews, head to the ATP Tennis Radio exclusives channel on TuneIn. And remember, you can also take us with you all day here at the Hard Rock Stadium. We are live from first ball to last every day on ATP Tennis Radio. If you just want an update and you've got a smart speaker, you can also get our news flash. Just ask for ATP tennis radio news you can get in touch on twitter and instagram that's at atp tennis radio or you can email us at studio at atp tennis radio.com if you're listening on itunes be sure to leave us a friendly review otherwise enjoy the tennis we'll catch you next time 